Hey, thanks so much for joining us at C3 Fort Worth's podcast. We're excited to share this message with you as Pastor Brandon continues our Future People series. For more information, please visit us at c3fortworth.com. Um, okay, John chapter 15. You guys ready? And if I, if I were to kind of give you um, just a synopsis, if I was to give you a title, I'm not great with titles. I'm not always good at titles. I think I overthink titles. And so I'm just going to keep it simple today. Future people are fruitful people. Future people are fruitful people. And it's funny, in our pre-service prayer, Steve uh, Wozner began to pray without he and I having talked about what I was going to talk about this morning. And he began to pray about being fruitful. Let us be a church. Let us be people that are fruitful. And, and so I, if, that's, if that if gives you kind of an idea about what we're going to talk about today, fruit, future people are fruitful people. John chapter 15, we're going to read quite a few verses, so I hope you're uh, ready for this, and uh, I'll get your Bible reading in for the day if you haven't already done it like a good Christian. John chapter 15, I'm just joking. John chapter 15, verse 1, we're going to read about 17 verses. I am the true vine, and my father is, is the vineyard. You know, I just thought of, why don't we all read it together? No, I'm just joking. I just thought 17 verses, that would be fun, right? Like, Y'all wouldn't even be paying attention. You'd just be trying to stay on point with the words. I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vineyard keeper. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. That is one of my least favorite verses in the entire Bible. And yes, I'm allowed to say that. Um, it's, it's funny to me because that verse speaks of the fact that even if you are fruitful, you will still be pruned. Like, what? No, that's for the people who didn't bear fruit. I'm supposed to, like, be patted on the back and said, well done. And I think God does that. But I, I think as a father, he also goes, okay, now, that was great. But there's more potential in you. And there's more in you. And there's more fruit to bear. And there's more life to give. And there's more things to produce. And, and so God doesn't just kind of let you. Because how I many you know if you just keep letting branches grow and you don't do that, you actually make the tree less healthy. And so for us, yes, you'd be removed if you don't bear fruit. But even if you are bearing fruit, there is a pruning. But I love that he gave us a so that. I love so that. So that you would bear more fruit, right? All right, so we can get on board with that. Verse 3, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me. Everybody say remain. Remain Remain in me. You're going to catch a theme here in a moment. In me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains. Everybody say remain. Remain remains on the vine. So neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much, everybody say much, much fruit. This is better than you just reading along with me. I'll just make you say every other word. Because you can do nothing without me. Let that sink in for a minute. Because you can do nothing without me. It's really weird to define that word nothing when we're actually here doing stuff and yet nothing without him. I just think that's, a, that's one that you kind of have to wrestle with. What does that actually mean? And his, his purpose here, and you kind of begin to see it, is as you produce fruit, nothing is those things that pass away. Every, he wants us to produce fruit that remains. Now we're going to get into that. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch, and he withers. They gather them, throw them into a fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Everybody still with me? About halfway through. 
remain, there it is again, remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have spoken these things to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. I mean, how many just understand when he speaks these words, because some of us get hung up on the thrown out part and the removed part and the burned up part and the pruned part, but what he's telling us here is that the whole purpose of me telling you these things, the whole reason I'm preaching these things, teaching you these things, is that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. That's good, right? Okay, I, and, and I know sometimes we go joy and pruning don't fit in the same kind of idea, but the reality is, is as I grow, there's a more, more joy to be experienced because my capacity for life is at a different place. So, so I'm able to enjoy things so my four-year-old can't enjoy certain things. There's certain things I point out to him that he doesn't quite understand because he's never had to go through certain things, so he's never experienced that loss or the challenge or the difficulty of getting those things, and so he does not experience the same joy joy. But as I grow and I understand things in life, I experience a different level of joy because I've understood them in a different way. I'm not saying he doesn't experience joy. I'm saying he doesn't experience the same type of joy because I've walked through certain things that he's never had to walk through yet. And so as we walk through life and we go through different things and deal with different things, there's a different sense and understanding of joy. And he wants our joy to be complete. He wants it to be a finished thing. Now he talks about, I don't, I don't want to get, this is, it's hard for me to read this many verses and just, just read the verses. <laughs> Verse 11, I have spoken these things to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command, love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, that someone would lay down this life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you to do. I do not call you slaves anymore because a slave doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you that you should go out and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain. Everybody say remain. So that whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you. Love one another. Now there's a lot of phrases, and we're not going to, that's a lot, look, that's a big chunk of scripture. And the reality is there's a lot of different thoughts to dig into there. Uh, the idea of I chose you, you didn't choose me. Well, some of us might run uh, to a certain type of uh, belief system or theology, theological thought about that. But the reality is what he's talking about, he's talking to a specific group of people when he says something like that. He's talking to the disciples. He says, I chose you that you might bear fruit. It, it, here's the thing. You and I were created. Genesis, we just talked about this from the dust series, right? You remember that? And what does it say? We, that we are be, to be fruitful and multiply. You and I were created, y'all didn't help me with the multiply, it's okay though. You and I were created to be fruitful. For some of us, we read the Genesis account of that, and we begin to go, well, that's just about having kids. Well, in, in, in the New Testament, in Jesus, what he does is takes many of those things that are outwardly uh, the thing that are happening and makes them spiritual. So he says things like, uh, do not murder, but if you have even thought about a person and hated them or said something, you have already Done that. So he takes things, and so Jesus was not one who lowered the standard, he actually raised it. Right? So so now some of us go, Oh, that's not good because I wasn't even doing good with the old one. Like I'm not even the, the whole point of Jesus raising the standard was to re-emphasize and to remind you that you would never reach 
the standard. That the standard was never your responsibility. He raised the standard to remind you that you could not possibly achieve this standard of justice and righteousness and love for people. But I have died so that you might be made right through my sacrifice because I have lived out that standard. So the fruitful thing is the same principle. The fruitful thing. So when Jesus says to his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, he is then saying again, be, uh, be those who reproduce. Be those who produce. Be those who are fruitful and multiply. But he's taking it to a different level where it is not just a physical intimacy that produces a physical child, but there is a spiritual thing that begins to produce a spiritual child. Does that make sense? So there's a disciple. Go and reproduce yourself in the lives of people around you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? I'm trying to cover a lot of things in a little amount of time, and it's hard, okay? And the whole time I'm going, did I say it right? And so here's this, uh, here's this, this whole section of Scripture, John speaking to his disciples. He says, I, I, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I walked along the Sea of Galilee, and I, I said, hey, follow me. And then he's saying to them, what I really want for you is that you would then have these words remain in you and me remain in you, that you might go and bear fruit and bear fruit that remains. The other day I tried to bring an illustration, but Meredith kept throwing them away because she didn't understand why they were in the house. Uh, but there is this tree that's no joke. The article I looked up on it, there's this tree that is supposedly the most dangerous tree in the suburbs. That was the name of the article. It's like the least favorite tree, and for a long time it was planted in all the backyards and all the homes because it was such a great-looking tree. But then they decided, they began to realize that it was putting things in the ground that, was actually, that were actually really painful. I have a picture of it. Do you have the picture? I think I put the picture in there of, of, that, um, of the sweet gum tree. Do you have a picture or no? Oh, now I really need the illustration Dang it. Maybe I didn't put it in there. It's okay. So it's okay. Just imagine with me. Maybe some of you have experienced this before. This tree is called the sweet gum tree. Anybody know what the sweet gum tree is? Okay, a few of you guys. All right. Need, yeah, Meredith knows. Now she knows, for real. And they call these things sweet gumballs. And they fall onto the grass. And they turn brown. If you want to, you all have your phones. You're all Google searching already. <laughs> and they fall on the ground, and they're real spiky. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody going with me? Has anybody ever walked out on your yard barefoot and stepped on one of these things? Let me, in fact, describe to you what the article said about the sweet gumballs. It's a terrible name. The hard, brown, spiky gumballs that can create some serious hazards. Not only can they wound you if you slip and fall into them. I don't know. Did you gather them together? I don't you know. They can also roll unexpectedly, causing sprained ankles. Because of their spiky nature, they are difficult to rake up. And don't try to run your lawnmower over them, lazy landscaper warns. As when airborne, they are as dangerous as grenades. Like, someone had a bad day. Someone wrote that after an emergency room visit because of 
The sweet gum tree gumballs. And we, the reason I bring it up is because uh, Kaysen the other day had found one in the yard, and, uh, and it was still kind of green. Normally they're brown because they, pretty quickly they turn brown, and then they just hurt people. And I, seriously, I walk very gingerly through our backyard. I just, I'm very careful. I tell my son to put his shoes on. And I just think because I'm older, I don't have to. And then I always regret that decision. But uh, it was still kind of green. And Kaysen goes, oh, why is it still green? I said, well, it hasn't been off the tree that long. I said, it hasn't quite dried up yet. It's, it was attached to the tree not too long ago. It's still kind of green because it still kind of has some of what it needed to produce life. But I promise you soon enough it will uh, stop and it will turn brown. And, and, I, and he goes, well, what do we do? How can we keep it alive? And I, I was like, that's so nice of you, Kaysen. Like, I love that. You're such an amazing child, better than every other child. And um, <laughs> except my other one. And... Um, and, I, and I, so I, I said to him, well, maybe we can uh, put some water on it. Now, here's the thing. I know that that wasn't going to do anything. But sometimes what happens in our life is we get detached, and we can kind of keep the color. Like, we can keep some of what makes that thing look like life and keep it present in our world long enough. But by the time we realize we've gotten detached, like, we aren't looking good. And in fact, what starts to happen is we start to hurt people. Anytime anyone steps next to us or gets near us, they have to walk very carefully. Because, because we've lost what really made us. Because we start to think, and this is what happens, we get detached and we begin to think it was us that brought life. It didn't matter how much water, we got the water hose out because, you know, just focused water will do a good job. I originally said, well, just get a little bowl, and we'll put it in there, and, and um, it will still die, but we'll do the, and so we started spraying it, and, and soon enough, he was just spraying everything in the grass. He had forgotten about the <laughs> sweet gum ball, and then Meredith threw it away, and, uh, I, but we, but listen, so many times, sometimes what we, what, we, what we can tend to do is we can tend to try to put some things in water, and we keep trying to water it, keep trying to water it, keep putting it under the sun, keep trying to water it. And when the reality of it is, is that what we have to do is get back and be connected. We, we have to get back to that place where we remain in him and he in us that we might produce much fruit. Because there's actually seeds in these things. And the birds come along and they get in there and they take the seeds out. And there's actually, there's things in there that are meant to be produced. It's interesting, though, I think sometimes how we can tend to kind of keep the color and keep kind of some of what made us doing what, and we can tend to think that we're the ones who made this all happen, and by the time we realize we're running out of the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and the kindness, we've been detached so long that we're, now we're just frustrated. Now we're just angry. People are having to be really careful around us. We're having to be really careful around ourselves. How many of you know you beat yourself up more than other people do? I was talking to someone this week, and we were having coffee, and and we're talking about how we are our own worst enemy. And here's Jesus going, hey, you, you must remain in me. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. So here's my thing. I get it. Like, what we tend to think about life is that as long as we're here, we're good. But I just don't think God created us just to be here. I think God created us to cultivate what he's created. 
that's a strong conviction of our church, is that you are called to not just serve in church on a Sunday morning and, and not just be here to work, but that you would bring what God does here and keeps you connected to people and keeps you connected to him and bring that into a place where you're being fruitful on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Thursday and a Friday and a Saturday. And here's the thing, fruit is all over the New Testament. I mean, Jesus talks about fruit all the time. He says things like, can a bad tree produce bad fruit? Which, let me just say this, means that you can produce bad fruit. That is possible. So you can be fruitful, just not the kind of fruit anybody wants to have. Or just not the kind of fruit that's actually going to remain. Message translation would have said that it doesn't spoil. Right? I had a friend of ours, Jake Sweetman, who pastors C3LA, did an Instagram story the other day that said he thought he had eaten a bad or a spoiled piece of fruit. And you could see in his eyes that he was very worried about the next couple days of his life. <laughs> Sometimes what we have to realize is that the, the reason Jesus talks about fruit so much is because fruit or multiplication cannot happen without intimacy. Fruitfulness is born out of relationship. Multiplication is born out of relationship. So the reason Jesus loves to use this, this analogy or this picture or this symbol, this fruit idea, is because fruit is not born of itself. Fruit is born out of staying connected, staying in relationship. And so you almost, we can tend to think all about the fruit. Just like when we read James, we can tend to think all about the actions and I think there's some personal responsibility and a willingness and a, and a faith to step out. But understand that the reality of it is we're not, we're not really meant to focus on the fruit. We're meant to focus on remaining so that we could bear fruit. The, the staying in his love, in fact, if you were to look in the Amplified Translation, what it says is, do not doubt that I love you. Right after it says remain, it says don't doubt this. Do not doubt that I love you. In fact, what is the greatest command? It doesn't, isn't that what it says? If you, if you, you'll, you'll remain my friend if you do what I command you. And some of us go, well, that sounds like a, kind of not really much of a relationship there. But what's the greatest commandment Jesus ever gave? To love the Lord your God with everything that you are and to love people. Again, he's, he's kind of tricking us. Because on one hand, he's saying remain in me, stay in relationship. But do what I've commanded you to do, which is basically all about relationship. Like, there's really no way to follow Jesus without getting better at relationship. The way we relate to people is often a sign of what God is doing in us and through us. Now, some of that is also, we have to rework. That's why Romans 12 talks about renewing your mind, transforming, because there is a process. We don't all just all of a sudden become people, people. I mean, I remember when I graduated high school, I was, I was not shy in the traditional sense. I, 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 we had friends and all this, but, it, but it wasn't, I was not the guy that was going like to stand up in front of me. I didn't, preaching, not on the radar at all. In fact, the only reason I ever preached is because I got in trouble. I went to a private school, so if you did something wrong, you get up there and preach. In fact, I think I might have been the only student that they made that do, so maybe he saw something in me. I don't know. Maybe I should be thanking him, but I threw a Bible across the room, not out of anger. I th we had to put them away, and so I threw it across the room. It hit the floor, which I guess is not okay, and uh, he said, you got to preach, so I preached in the chapel, and I stared at the note cards the entire time, sweating profusely, and, uh, and somehow I ended up here, but listen, sometimes, sometimes we say something like, well, I'm not a people person, I learned this not too long ago from one of the best preachers on the planet. 
He said, I love using the word yet. And so whenever I hear someone say, I just don't like confrontation, I always add the word yet. <laughs> I'm not a people person yet. I mean, I didn't, listen, I, didn't, I don't know what got into me, but my freshman year in college, I ran for president of the freshman class. The heck? Why? And if you ask me this day, I really don't know why. I don't even know what, I don't remember that, and it wasn't because there were other things going on. I just don't know why. I don't, I don't know why I did it. And then I tied for first. I ended up losing. Jerk. The guy had connections. And, um, <laughs> but something, listen, I'm just telling you that you may not think you are something, but there's a very good chance that as you stay in Christ, God would, now I know that there are other people who are just gifted at being those people. And I'm not saying you will always, you will be as outgoing as somebody else or that you should. I'm just saying that everything God's done in you, he can continue to do in you and that he's pruning you to grow you, that you might become more of what he's put in your heart and life. Do not neglect the pruning. Do not run away from the pruning. Too many, so many times we get detached, not because God is done with us, but because we don't want to deal with what we still have to work on. And I found that there's, like, the reason we have to love God and the, the second part is as equal as the first part is because in, until we understand that loving God produces in us things that are meant to, to love other people, we won't love other people in a way that produces in us what we need to be produced. And I know that that was a very big, weird way to say what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that I don't really find out I have love or joy or peace or patience or kindness or, until I'm actually in relationship with other people. Do you know what I'm saying? And I, so here's this fruit that remains, this fruit that, like, is produced in us. And I understand he's talking to the disciples. I get that. But my goal and my hope is that I would become like one who followed Jesus for three years and then was sent out to do the work of the ministry. I, my hope is that I would at least strive to be a disciple of Christ, to be one who is fruitful and multiplies. But I understand that through this scripture, what he's speaking to is that he's not trying to hammer you about being fruitful. He's trying to hammer into you that you must remain so that you would be fruitful. And fruitfulness is simply an evidence of your relationship with him. So many of us work on the action. And I think that you should, like, go, okay, how can I put this into my life, and how can I set these goals? And I have, But too many times we can focus so much on the action that we neglect the remaining or the faith that is actually the very thing that causes the action. Because at the, the, the essence of faith is trust. If I don't trust God, there's very unlikely that I'm going to do what he asked me to do. I will never be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And if you don't know the story, three guys stood up when everybody else was bowing to a king. And he said, if you don't bow down, I'm going to throw you in a fiery furnace. That doesn't sound like much of a king who has to throw you in a fire to make you worship him. And, but he, they said they weren't going to. And then they start walking up and walking up the stairs. And they said, the king said, all you got to do is bow. And they said, no, 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 listen, I, I get it. But I, like either God's going to save us and we're going to be good or he's not and I'm going to be with him. So, you, you know, I'm good either way. But that's the mindset. The only way you could do that is if you fully trust God so much that you're willing to stand and look at a fire that someone's about to throw you in and say something like that. Now, hopefully, you and I are never in a place where we have to make that decision, although there are people like that right now being threatened with death because they believe in Jesus, happening all over the world. More now than really many, any other time in history, people are being persecuted for their faith. What a joy it is for us to be able to come in here. The problem is sometimes we can get away from remaining because we don't necessarily see the benefit of the pruning 
because we don't have those kind of scenarios put in front of us all the time. And so here, Jesus is trying to get across to us that future people are fruitful people. And here's why I bring this up. Because for us, the, the fruit is a result of the root, right? That great always is, works better when it rhymes. The fruit is always a result of the root. But the root must be planted now so that you can see the fruit in the future. So future people are people who see what they believe God has called them to or, 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 or see the word of God and know that what he's called us to. And, and we, we get all that and we know that what we, if we're going to go to that place, if we're going to be people who have love and joy and peace, that we must be people who are rooted in right now, remaining in him. And we have to decide, are we going to remain in him or remove ourselves from him? And it's a term fruit, because I know for many of us, we're like, this is great. Like, I want to produce fruit. Like, this is great. Like, I want to do that. Uh, I, I want to make sure that I'm producing fruit. I want to remain in him and produce fruit. And, and, uh, but some of us kind of go, well, what, I don't know. What is the, what's the fruit? Like, it sounds cool. Like, yeah, I want to be fruitful. That's great. But what is the fruit? And for many of us, we, maybe for some of you who've grown up in church, and you would know Galatians 5, which is not the only place that we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, but Galatians 5 seems to be the most popular fruit. And we talk about love and joy and peace and patience. That's one idea of fruit. And then the other would be, especially in this context, talking to the disciples, he's saying the result of what you do in the cities that you go, because Jesus is very soon about to send them out to reach people and love people and serve people and save people. And so he's sending them out with this idea that, um, that you would be fruitful, but don't try to do this out of your own gifting or your own talent or your own ability. Do this because you have remained in me, trusted in me, stayed in me, and out of that will come a fruit that will stay, that even when you leave that city, people will still be talking about Jesus in that city. And so there's more than just one type of fruit here, but how do we make sure that we stay loving people? And for many of us, we have to ask that question. Like, I get it. We go, yeah, I love people. Yeah, I do. I love people. But man, if we were to really kind of get honest with ourselves, how many times do we love people only if they love us back? How many times do we only love people to the extent that we're willing to open up and be transparent with our struggles and our hurts and our pains and our offenses and our frustrations? And How many times do we have joy only when things are going well? Only smile when things have been great that day? Right? How many of us have peace when it just seems like everything around us is falling apart? How many of us stay kind? Right? When other people have not been kind, they cut us off on the road. Right? How many of us have been patient? I mean, because that first word, love, right? If you just go to 1 Corinthians 13 and read that love chapter, like I, I almost, again, one of those chapters that you kind of go, man, it's, it sounds pretty, but it's actually really challenging, right? To, to endure all things, to bear all things, to believe all things, to keep no record of wrong, guilty, right? To be long-suffering, like, that's the kind of fruit that, that God's trying to produce in us through the Holy Spirit. That kind of fruit that remains in love with people even when love is not being reciprocated. That, that continues to serve people even when they, we've not been served or not been recognized for it or no one said thank you or no one says great job, way to go. That we continue to, 
do that. This is the kind of fruit that remains even when everything in the earth and everything the world is doing is trying to remove it from you. In fact, our own life, we tend to kind of go, how can, man, when things get tough, we kind of go, okay, how do I get out of this situation instead of remaining in him? It is interesting, isn't it, how we try to fix things when things get tough. We trust God when it's good. We trust ourselves when it's difficult. What a weird thing. It's almost like it should be reverse, right? Like when things are good, oh, I must have done something right. When things are hard, I should be, and we, we tend to do one or the other. We tend to go, I'll, I'll trust them now when things are difficult, or I'll trust them now when things are good, and I'll trust myself. And we, Depending on what kind of personality we are or kind of experiences we've had or, or things that we've walked through, we, we kind of choose one way to do this. But the, the Bible is very clear, and what Jesus is speaking is very clear, is my desire is that you would remain in me and that no matter what season you walk through, no matter what kind of part of your life you deal with, you will be bearing fruit in every season. And not just the kind of fruit that is out of your life, the love and the joy, but the kind of fruit that makes its way into other people's lives. And they begin to see Jesus as he really is. They begin to see Jesus for what he really wants to do. They see Jesus for what he's already done. They begin to see Jesus in you because you, you, you have fruit in you that remains, regardless of what you're dealing with. And my question to you is, where are those places in your life that you have removed yourself? Where are those places in your life that you have taken a step back instead of remaining? And I'm not, I'm not talking about unhealthy things. I'm, I'm, I'm simply saying that more often than not, the places we tend to focus our heart and the places we tend to let our mind dwell in and the context that we continue to put ourselves in usually are a great indicator of the kind of fruit that we will bear, right? And so many times I've seen people, we, we just kind of, we do this because it's, it, Pruning, it's almost like if you're going to prune me, you might as well just remove me. Unless we understand fully the so that. So that. So that. Right? So that we might actually bear more fruit. So that we have more love for people. So that we would have more joy in difficult seasons. So that we have more peace when things get even more chaotic. How have we removed ourselves? Because at the end of this, when we talk about this, what Jesus says at the very last verse, he says, this is what I command you, love one another. This is what I command you, love one another. See, again, there's Jesus going, okay, if you obey my commands, you'll, you'll remain my friend. But what he's really trying to say is the, the command I've given you is to love me and to love people. Remain in me and do not doubt for a second that I love you. Do not doubt for a moment that I love you. In fact, all of January, we're going to spend our time around this thought, this greatest command of all other things that Jesus ever said. Everything that the apostles did rests on this one thing, that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Have you ever wondered what that actually means? If it's the number one thing you can do as a follower of Jesus is to love him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, shouldn't we know what that actually looks like? I mean, that's the thing. That is the number one command you've been ever given that you would ever get from church, that you should ever get from a relationship with Jesus, is that you would love him. His desire for fruit in your life is, is born out of his desire for relationship with you. He is most concerned with you knowing him and him knowing you and you remaining in him. I, could, I almost feel like I, I could have shut down 10 minutes ago. I was waiting for Kyle to come up here. I'm just joking. 
I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But I did have a real sense as I was driving here this morning. And my question to you is where have you removed yourself? Where, where are those places that you're not trusting God, where you're not loving him? And, 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 and gosh, I, I, I even hesitate to say it like that because it sounds so um, like you, pressuring you to love God and, and like coercing you to love him. And, 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 and maybe I just need to, like God, let me say it, let me flip it on. Its, where have you removed yourself from his love for you? Because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. So let me just flip on because I don't want you to misread this or mishear this. I'm not trying to go, love him, love him, love him. Just love him. Just do what I'm telling Love him. I'm not, I'm not, it's not really what I'm after. What I'm really trying to get to is where have you and where have we at times kind of stepped back out of relationship because things got difficult or, or we just had a difficult season or things have gotten busy or Christmas is here and I'm, I gotta buy all this stuff and I don't, have money to buy all this stuff, and I've got friends who need help, and I can't do all this. And I like I, the things that just kind of get you a little bit twisted, and they get you a little bit out of sorts. And emotionally, you begin to get wrapped up. And yes, fellas, you are emotional, whether you want to admit it or not. I've seen you watch football games. I know you are, and um, you just are better at hiding it. That doesn't make it healthier. Just gonna throw that out there. Doesn't make it any healthier that you're able to go on as though there aren't things that you're ticked off about. As though there aren't things that you're saying under your breath. As though there aren't things that you're thinking about your spouse when they turn their head. Or the things that you're going, well, what if I had just done this? What if I did? And, and understand that for, for me, my heart, my desire, my, man, I really, honestly, I believe a season for us as a church is um, what does it look like for us to step back into that loving, life-giving, overflowing, joy-filled, completed joy type of relationship with God. To know him, to know his strength, to know his power, to know his life, to know his vision, to know his purpose. Because I give all myself to him so I can know all of myself in my identity and who I am. Paul says that I want to make every one of us mature in Christ. His desire is that we would grow to a place where we're bearing fruit in season. That we're bearing fruit even out of season. Psalm 1. That we would be people who would be planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit. That's what, but again, all of it is, it's not contingent upon the fact that you like fruit, or that you want fruit, or that you desire fruit, or that you found a little thing on the ground and it still had a little bit of green to it, and you thought maybe you could restore it, for just water it a little bit, just keep, just keep hammering it with stuff, and keep pressuring yourself, and telling yourself, if you just do this, if you just do that, no, 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 none of those things solve the real issue, none of those things actually deal with the number one thing that you do as a follower of Jesus, which is love him. Just love. what does it take? Man, open your Bible. Just read who he is. Pray. Get around good people who don't let you hang out in the things that you shouldn't hang out in. And, and I don't mean places. I mean the attitudes and the, the things that you carry along and the stuff that you... Get around people who go, no, 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 that's not okay. That, that's the kind of friend I need. I need the kind of friend like Jesus says, would you just get... Like, remain, like, stay, get here, like, don't go, I'm here so that you would bear fruit. You cannot do it by yourself. And my question is, honestly, and I know I've asked this a third or fourth time, hopefully you're getting it. 
Where have you pulled away out of guilt, shame, frustration, discouragement, just busy part of life, feeling like you're not worthy, feeling like, man, well, I, if I, I obviously did something wrong if that happened and if that went on. No, no, no. I don't think God gives us the fruit because everything's going to be great. I think God gives us the fruit because he knows not everything will go exactly as we thought it would go so that we could still have love and we could still have joy and we could still have peace. We could still have patience. We can still be overcomers. We can still be people who overflow life. We can still be people with streams of living water flowing out of our life because he knew that there were going to be times and moments and places in our life where it was th that we needed those things. And I love that he didn't make it contingent upon our own abilities, our own giftings. He didn't make it contingent upon our own personality. Like, am I a people person? It doesn't matter. Remain in me. I'm not telling you to do this or to do, I, remain, everything, everything, everything you will read out of this Bible, everything that God will ever speak to your heart is built upon one thing, that you would love him, that you would remain in him, and never doubt that he loves you so much that he gave everything for you. Where have you removed yourself? Not from, for any other reason that you, man, I, I just don't know. I'm not so sure. I mean, things did not go well. Remain in him. Don't doubt that he loves you even when it looks like everyone else is against you. He loves you. He cares for you. And even in the worst of moments, he loves you more than you will ever know. And there's nothing you can do to make it better or worse. There's nothing. He is, man, he's with you. He's for you. God is your father. He believes in you. And this is not some pep talk. I'm not just trying to make you feel good about yourself. I'm trying to remind you that the, the, the source and the key to everything God wants to do in your life is the understanding that God loves you, fought for you, and wants more than anything else to be in life-giving, everyday relationship with you. But relationship and lack of relationship are both built on one primary thing, time. Time. I know that sounds like, that doesn't sound like that. When I wanted to be with Meredith, I had to do my best, if she would allow it, to spend time with her. I had to be intentional about that. James 4, 7 says that if you would draw near to me, I will draw near to you. That's his promise to you. Would you stand with me? I felt like there's a real sense today as I was driving here. Um... That for some of us, maybe for many of us, we have um, we have removed ourselves. You know, there's a song or a lyric in one of the songs we sang today that even when the earth crumbles, even when the earth falls, that I will not be moved. I just think we need to go back and read some of this stuff again and read it with a fresh mindset. When he says, hey, you'll build a house and it will not fall, that, that was not based upon your craftsmanship. It was all based upon his foundation. It was built on the rock of Christ Jesus. In fact, he doesn't even give you a blueprint for the house. He just says, build a house. Just make sure you build it on me. So I, I, I just felt like, man, today, I need somebody to grab this if they could move the... Uh, I just felt like today that, um, that we, we just need to make, for some of us, and I, I just wanted to do it in a, uh, like, <laughs> one of my core values in life is take courage, to take heart. And, um, and it's always, for me, built upon the idea that God is for me, and I take courage because he's with me. And for some of us, what I wanted to do today 
is not to just kind of leave you in your place and shut your eyes and, you know, just kind of do it privately. I just, I just felt like today that there were some of us who needed to make that decision to, uh, to stop removing ourselves, to stop stepping back from relationship with him and others, to quit removing ourselves as though that's going to fix this, that you're not going to become more fruitful because somehow you remove, no, I, God wants us to step and lean in to relationship with him in such a way that even our faults, even our failures, even all our messed up stuff is at, at the feet of Jesus. And God looks at us and sees his son. And he says, I'm well pleased. I love you. Like I'm going to bear fruit in your life. And the more intimate and the more in relationship we get, the more you will begin to multiply, the more you will begin to see the things that you've been wanting in your life. And, uh, and so I'm just going to, we don't always do this. But I want to pray, and in just a moment after I pray, I'm going to ask you to, to just step out of your seat. And I, it might make you a little uncomfortable. Good. Here's that pruning thing again, huh? Sometimes it takes us getting uncomfortable to realize the places we've gotten too comfortable. To realize the places we've gotten way too comfortable. Man, you ever, you ever go back to the gym after a while? You know what I'm saying? Like, if you aren't uncomfortable after having not been there for a while, then you probably aren't actually doing anything. You're just standing there watching the TV, you know? And for some of us, we get really comfortable where we are. And that's not actually good for you. So I want to pray. And in about two minutes or so, <laughs> I'm giving you a time to cut the countdown. I'm just going to ask you to step forward. I'm going to ask you to come all the way down here. We're just going to pray as a family, pray as a church. Because like Shane was saying earlier, I believe we got to enlarge the places of our tent. But I believe that starts in our heart, not in our hands. I believe that starts here, and I believe we do it together, and I believe the whole gospel is a people gospel, not just a person gospel. It's about all of us, not just one of us. That's how he reaches every one of us, is by reaching all of us, amen? God, I pray right now for every person in here who just wants to know God, who's tired of being removed from, but wants to remain in. For some of us today, it's going to be a decision to step back into what uh, what we knew we have removed ourselves from, but maybe for some of us, this is a new thought, and maybe for some of us, we're, we're just getting planted. We just want to get planted. We just want to step in and lean in. Like we, For the very first time, we want to know this grace and this love. We want to know God. We want to know the strength and the power and the grace that's in it. We want to know the identity that comes out of it. We don't want to question it anymore. And Holy Spirit, I, I just so believe that right now, you're working on our hearts. I can sense it in my own spirit now that you, you just are not okay leaving us comfortable but that you actually might be pruning in us some thoughts about ourselves or thoughts about other people or ideas about how life should have looked or should have been or should have happened hurts that we continue to carry even though we thought we would dealt with them really all we did was put them in a different room of our mind God you want us to lean back in because you so desire to bear fruit in our lives so desire to know us. So that's you, and you say, you know, I just, I want to remain. I want to get planted. I, I, I've removed myself too many times from what God's trying to do in my life, and I want to remain in his love. I want to remain in him, and him in me, that I might bear much fruit, that I might bear much peace and joy, that I might bear much kindness, that I might bear 
many people meeting Jesus, that I might see many people restored relationship, that I might see many people decide to move into their purpose and destiny. I, I want to bear that kind of fruit in my life. But I need to remain. And I've doubted how much you love me for a little while. Not because you said it, because someone else said it or some other thing happened. If that's you this morning, I'm just going to, I want to pray with you. I want to believe with you. And I want us as a church to champion you. And I actually believe this is probably more than one of you. I believe it's probably several of us in the room that need to make a decision to remain. And while you make a spiritual decision this morning, I want, to, I want you to make a physical one as well. Just step out of your chair. So if that's you right now, and you go, you know what, I, I, think, I think I need to remain. I, think, I want to bear fruit, but it, it's contingent upon me remaining, knowing how much you love me, knowing you well. And you want to go to that place in relationship with God. Would you just right now, would you just step out of your chair and come to the front? Just come all the way up here. I'm going to pray with you. Awesome. Keep coming. No, come, on, come all the way up to the front. Come right in front of me. I'm just going to pray with you. Nothing crazy. Anybody else? Just come on out. It might be a little courageous. It might be a little bit bold. If you're with, here with a friend, you don't want to come up by yourself, or you got your spouse, bring them with you. Anybody else? This is awesome. Anybody else? You say, man, I just, I'm where I want to be in some places, but I really want to step into it. Come on up. Come on up. Yeah, come on up. Come on, you guys give these guys a round of applause. Come on. Keep coming. If that's you, keep coming. Come on, this is awesome. God, I thank you for new relationships. Come on, so good. If you got a friend up here or whatever, you, feel free. You can come lay your hands on their back and just pray with them. God, we pray right now. If that's you, if you still want to come up, you can. Don't worry about it. You, you can't be late to this party. God, we pray right now over every person. Well, would you just, if you're up here and you're praying, would you just lift your hands to heaven? I know that might be a little bit out of ordinary for you, but just a form of surrender, just a form of honoring God, going, this is really not about me. This is not my ability. It's not my gift. It's, God, I know you put that in me. I know you've given me gifts and abilities, but I want your hand on it. I want your blessing on it. God, we pray over every person that's here now. God, we pray. God, that you would move in their life in such a real new way. God, we pray that you would show them who you are. God, that they're not here by accident. They're not here just because they came with a friend. God, they're here because you wanted them to know how deeply and how strongly you care about them, you love them, and you want for them to bear fruit, to multiply, to just simply know you. God, I pray for every person who's felt like they've been detached or been alone or not quite knowing you the way they desire to know you. God, or don't have the joy that is complete. God, we pray right now upon every life and upon every person that's here right now. God, we pray that you would overflow in their life. God, that you would help them remain, that you would not allow them to think for a second that they're unloved or unworthy or can't count or don't, don't count towards what you're trying to do. God, whatever's happened in their life, whatever's gone on in their world, none of that determines how powerful or how meaningful or how great the cross is. I thank you for it. God, I pray for every life here that these next couple days would be moments where they, they just sit with you and you would speak to their heart and that they would have friends come along and people come along and say, I'm with you, I'm for you, 
I'm going to stand with you in all things and through all things. God, I pray that you would, Holy Spirit, move in us. Let every one of us know what it is to stay with you, to remain in you. And God, I pray in these next few days where they're tempted to make it about their decisions and to make it about their abilities and to make it about their thing, God, I pray that they would understand the only thing that matters is that they would give themselves fully and completely to you, that they would surrender themselves, even surrender those thoughts that say, you better do better, you better do it right, you better get it straight. God, they would surrender those things to you and know that it's the power of the Holy Spirit in them that creates in them the, the life that is like Christ the overflowing life. So I pray the one thought that they have all week long in the next several months and years of their life is that they would know that they are loved and that you if that you are working in them regardless of their circumstance and their situation. God, let this just be a glimpse, just a small seed planted in our hearts and in our church that is just a glimpse of what is to come. Let's see hundreds and hundreds of people come to know Jesus to follow Jesus. Come on, let's sing this morning. Let's sing together. You guys, we can all stay here. Let's sing this morning.